This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. We've never seen this sudden, dramatic spike in unemployment claims that we've seen in the past two months. How quickly can those people be reabsorbed into the economy? Most people expect to return to their old jobs, but how realistic is that? And has the massive new government spending that's followed the coronavirus outbreak, is some of it working in opposition to other spending? Cato's Ryan Bourne helps make sense of the employment picture. We see a lot of different uh, measures of unemployment that are thrown around. Uh, The biggest one uh, uh, recently that is so startling is, of course, uh, people filing first-time unemployment claims. So help us differentiate what those uh, measures mean. Well, what's clear is that this crisis has obviously had a profound impact on the labor market. But you're right, there's two kind of main measures that people have been looking at in recent weeks. So the first is this initial unemployment insurance claims. Um, And over the past seven weeks, there's been 33.5 million people uh, file those initial claims. And that's over 20% of the working population. So that means over 20% of the working population have been laid off in some way, have left their jobs and have filed for unemployment insurance. Now, that number doesn't reflect every job lost um, because not everyone who loses their job is actually eligible for unemployment insurance. And there's also been quite long delays in some states for processing uh, those claims. And the claims um, in some states don't count until they are processed. But at the same time, it doesn't give us a full reflection because um, contrary to what you might think, a lot of jobs actually are being created still. Uh, There are certain industries growing. Um, think of food delivery, for example. So, um, so you kind of have to net that effect out, and the fact that certain businesses who didn't think they were going to get uh, loans from the federal government, who've now got them, are now trying to rehire people. So, a better measure, usually, for looking at unemployment would be something that nets all of that stuff out, and that is to look at the official unemployment rate. And the official unemployment rate came out last week. Uh, it was just shy of 15%, 14.7%. And that's obviously a profound increase from the 4.4% we saw in March. Uh, so huge numbers of people uh, have, have have become unemployed. Now, that measure itself is, is not perfect. Uh, that likely understates the impact of COVID-19 on the labour market because it doesn't capture those who look for work uh, perhaps before but haven't haven't recently. Uh, Remember, unemployment is about somebody who's out of work and actively looking for a job. And it, of course, misses those who are out of work because of COVID, but can't look for jobs, either because of stay-at-home orders um, or because of extra duties they now have as, as, as parents. So anyway, rambling, but big picture, we've seen a massive impact on the labor market, probably around 20 to 25% unemployment as we usually understand it. And when you think about um, other people affected, uh, we've probably seen a subsection. That's probably only a subsection, sorry, of around a third of workers who've been adversely affected in some way. Um, So this is a massive, massive impact. There are a lot of people who are, in a sense, voluntarily unemployed uh, because the unemployment benefits have been boosted pretty significantly for through the end of July, I believe. And uh, those people might be looking, uh, but they might have a job waiting for them as well. 
That's right. Actually, if you look at some of the surveys that have been associated uh, with this in recent weeks, between 70 to 90% of those newly unemployed people actually think that they're going to be going back to the same job eventually. Um, now, I think that's really, really optimistic, and we can perhaps talk about that later in the podcast. Um, but that does suggest that this unemployment is different in nature to what we'd usually expect. And indeed, one of the big problems with the official household survey last week um, was that categorizing people was more difficult than before, because as you, as I mentioned in my first answer, um, unemployment uh, requires people to be both out of work and looking for a job ordinarily. So the interviewers last week were told to classify people who were employed but absent from work due to COVID-related uh, reason as temporarily unemployed. But there was some huge mix-up in the recording of this. So even within the notes of the official statistics, um, it made clear that the, the kind of real unemployment rate, if you accounted for that, was probably near a 20%. So a huge impact and, and that official number, the 14.7%, almost certainly vastly understates the number of people um, out of work and who would take work if COVID-19 wasn't around. There are a lot of comparisons to the Great Depression uh, right now, That is, uh, but we've never seen such a dramatic uh, one-time decline in employed people in the United States. That's right. This is unprecedented in its speed um, and and scale. Um, and one can understand why the comparisons are made with the Great Depression, because at its height, 25% of the labor force found themselves unemployed then. So we are looking at a similar scale. Um, but I think there are two key differences that people often forget in making this comparison. The first is that even at the height of the um, unemployment of the Great Depression, there was no unemployment insurance. Um, this time, unemployment insurance has been expanded, uh, been made far more generous, $600 per week extra in payments in top of existing benefits. So to allow people to stay home to avoid transmission of the virus, the federal government is actively subsidizing unemployment. So uh, it shouldn't surprise us on the margin that we're seeing far more unemployment uh, than we have for a very long time. The second key difference, though, I think, is that actually most people made unemployed today think they will be returning to their old employer. As I said, depending on which survey you examine, uh, between 70 and 90% of those newly unemployed expect to return to work. Um, now, I think that I think, as I said, that that's vastly um, optimistic, but we would expect large numbers of those to go back as restrictions are lifted and some semblance of normalization occurs. The real, the real challenge and how far this pandemic uh, has really impacted the underlying labor market will only really become clear once um, both restrictions and social distancing kind of wind down. Um, and then we will see how much the pandemic itself has changed the underlying economy, both because of work patterns, but also people's tastes and, and things that they uh, demand to do. So whether this is uh, of similar scale to the impact of the Great Depression as a kind of permanent impact, I severely doubt. 
but it may well have a big impact even longer term. So uh, to the extent that people are uh, hoping to get back to their original jobs and and we can hope for uh, a return to normalcy, however that comes about, either via uh, behavioral changes that people uh, undertake or a vaccine or some, something uh, along those lines, it's possible that we could see unemployment drop fairly rapidly uh, at some point this year. I think that's fairly likely. Um, that's fairly likely provided we have good policy and we can talk a bit about that. Uh, but what we shouldn't expect, I don't think, is to bounce back to the very, very low unemployment levels that we saw before. I think it would some take some time to get there. Now, one reason for that is the um, the current unemployment insurance. So even if things were all lifted and we all decided societally to return that it was the right time for everybody to return to work now the fact that the unemployment insurance benefits are so generous would mean that in the near term a lot of people would be reluctant to be rehired um and and uh, employers would find it difficult because those uh, benefits are so generous so that will prove a drag but i think more more generally um we are likely to have seen a degree of change in the economy. I think even when things do normalize, uh, there are going to be far fewer people going to restaurants as regular as they were before, perhaps going to sports stadia and the like. So we need a degree of reallocation of workers to where people are going to be spending their money afterwards. And it actually takes a fair bit of time for those employment relationships uh, to arise. It takes time for workers to search for new jobs that they think they're qualified for. It takes uh, employers some time to ascertain what skills they might need um, and and which people are the right fit for certain roles. So um, even though I expect uh, a quite rapid fall in the unemployment rate after things begin to normalise, it will take some time, I think, for those new labour matches to be made, um, and that will prove a drag on on unemployment falling. Um, there was a paper by some University of Chicago economists that estimated. There's a high degree of uncertainty here, but they estimated, based on past trends, that given the extent of layoffs and their nature, about 42 percent of the, uh, just over 40 percent of the jobs. Uh, that, that have been lost in inverted commas so far may be gone permanently. And if that is true, or you know, even if that is only half true, we're going to have a kind of reallocation shock in the economy, and it will take some time for those workers to find new roles. There has been a lot of uh, judgment and some kudos thrown around about how uh, the federal government responded, particularly with expanding or enhancing uh, unemployment benefits. Uh, there is a lot of value to be placed on uh, minimizing the disruption to individuals uh, in a time when we are all essentially voluntarily making sometimes pretty dramatic reductions in our economic activity. Uh, to the extent that that means workers simply aren't needed, um, what is the role for government in in these cases, or what is the what is the what is are the proper policy responses when we're trying to 
achieve that voluntary uh, reduction in uh, activity? Well, it's obviously a very difficult scenario. Um, one wouldn't have expected uh, many people to have taken out insurance or engaged in extensive saving to think about this eventuality of a global pandemic. So I think it was almost in, always inevitable that governments would provide relief both to businesses and individuals. And indeed, that's what we've seen through the stimulus packages from Congress. I think what has changed, though, is that initially policymakers and the public, to a large extent, appeared to believe that this would really be more of just a pause in activity, and then we could somehow kind of shut down parts of the economy and restart it as if nothing had ever happened um, you know, with the economic structure that we had of March 2020. I think people are beginning to realize now that although much of life will go back to normal, when this whole episode eventually passes, um, that you cannot just uh, shut down and restart an economy uh, at a specific point in time because, as I say, many tastes change and there's a high degree of economic churn in markets anyway at the best of times. So what does this mean? I mean, I think there's a clear trade-off here. If you provide relief, you tend to subsidize either existing employment relationships um, or individual households. But if there has been a very, very high degree of economic change, and if people's behaviors are going to be very different going forwards, then we really want the policy framework to be as flexible as possible to uh, enable people uh, to move into new jobs at the lowest cost. So what does that mean? Well, it does mean that we're going to have to uh, row back on the generosity of unemployment insurance because we want to encourage people to go back into the labor force fairly quickly. It does mean that um, those PPP loans that have been encouraging people to maintain e employees, uh, there may be some hard truths that we have to face with that as we come out of the uh, crisis because essentially the message they were sending employers is it's very, very good for you to keep on your existing uh, employees and the federal government will help you to achieve that end. But if those businesses uh, become unviable um, in the aftermath of this, then even though there has been taxpayer support, um, it's not efficient or desirable for that support to be extended if those businesses and those jobs are no longer viable. And then there are things that we've always talked about. Um, you know, if we want people to find new roles as quickly as possible, then we do have to reassess things like occupational licensing laws, regulations that inhibit business formation, and very, very high uh, minimum wages in certain areas. So, because all of those, all of those policies that I've mentioned, stand in the way of economic adjustment, and it would be economic adjustment that facilitates that unemployment rate falling in this brave new world as quickly as possible. So to what extent do you view some of these policies as working at cross-purposes? That is uh, a, a fairly dramatic uh, addition to unemployment benefits and also loans to businesses to maintain payrolls. Well, some of them do work at cross-purposes. Um, and clearly the Paycheck Protection Program uh, loans that you talked about and unemployment insurance is an example of that. Uh, many employers laid off employees fairly rapidly because they recognized that their business was either suffering from a huge drop in demand or were actively being 
shuttered by governments. Um, what's happened subsequently is many of those businesses have then found that they're eligible for these loans from the federal government, um, which become more generous as loans and actually turn into full grants if they spend the vast majority uh, of that loans in terms of maintaining payroll and worker hours um, over, by, by a certain uh, point in time. Um, now, as you can see immediately from that, we have a bit of a problem in that many laid off workers actually are financially better off on unemployment insurance than being uh, employed by their old employer. So a lot of uh, employers have had very difficult situation with laid off and furloughed employees where they've said to them, okay, well, now we've got these PPP loans. We're going to bring you back on payroll. We want to bring you back on payroll because that's the way that um, these loans get, ri get written off and, and become grants. And actually, employees have been resistant to that because their financial situation is better on unemployment insurance. Now, if, if, if those employers offer those employees uh, their jobs back, then that may affect the employee's eligibility for unemployment insurance. But of course, um, that then creates very, very bad relationships from between employees and employers going forwards. Uh, if employees are perceived to have been looking out for the business's financial interests and not the workers' financial interests. So it's put employers in a very difficult situation. And I think there are clear trade-offs when you uh, try to uh, when use a scattergun approach of firing money in all different directions. You can create some very perverse incentives. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.